Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Times, March 3. Lifestyle. It was an exciting time for music. New exhibition celebrates Glasgow's record shops from 80s and 90s. Report by Anne Fotheringham. For Ken McCluskey of chart-topping band The Bluebells, Glasgow's record shops was where the band got its musical education. Bumping into Scotland's coolest musicians was par for the course. Stephen Daly of Orange Juice fame recalls Claire Grogan hanging around in Listen, and while the arrival of giants like HMV and Virgin signalled the end of the road for many, Bruce Findlay, former Simple Minds manager and founder of Bruce's, thinks there is hope for a comeback. A new exhibition at Glasgow's Riverside Museum transports music fans back to the golden age of the city's record stores. At one point there were around 130 outlets selling vinyl, cassettes, CDs and more. Ken and David McCluskey and Robert Hodgins of The Bluebells, who reached number one in the UK charts in the 90s with their hit Young at Heart, officially opened Spinning Around, Glasgow's remarkable record shops, a celebration of the numerous stores that thrived in the 80s and 90s. Ken said, Glasgow's record shops in the 1980s were hugely important to me and the Bluebells. They were where we got our musical education from and where we would meet and hang out. It was an exciting time for music and the emergence of many of Scotland's top bands and artists during those years grew out of the city's record shop scene. It's been a pleasure to donate a few rare items on behalf of the band to this brilliant new exhibition, which celebrates the importance of Glasgow's record stores to the city's musical legacy. During the late 80s and early 90s, Glasgow's was home to businesses like Bruce's, Gloria's, Listen, Rubabub, 23rd Precinct and Volume. And as curator Neil Johnson Symington explains, they were regarded as much more than just places to buy music. He said, Glasgow has always been known as a city of music even before UNESCO's official endorsement in 2008. However, this display is inspired not by the city's unrivaled music venues, but by the scores of record shops from the 80s to the mid-90s, 
which were instrumental to the forming of so many amazing local bands. They were not just places to buy records, they were creative hubs which inspired new music, club nights, recording studios and independent labels. As melting pots for the growth of the city's burgeoning music scene, Glasgow's record shops acted as launchpads for the careers of several successful Scottish acts, including The Bluebells, Deacon Blue, Orange Juice and Simple Minds. The new display is the first to open at the Riverside Museum, managed by Glasgow Life since, since 2019. Comprising 134 objects and housed in the museum's former 1950s pawn shop, it reflects the work and success of major Glasgow acts like Teenage Fan Club, Primal Scream and Texas. In all, more than 60 Scottish bands and artists who were active between 1980 and 1995 are represented through records, cassettes, CDs, posters, t-shirts and other music memorabilia. A host of groups and musicians have supported the display through donating and loaning items and record labels and record shops such as the Creeping Bend organisation and FOP have also given objects. Among the exhibition's main attractions are gold discs from The Bluebells and Simple Minds, a fan-made screen-printed scarf dedicated to The Bluebells, record shop bags connected to some of Glasgow's best-loved vinyl venues, rare club flyers, including the Volcano's legendary Partick Passport, and a 1956 Lambretta LD150 scooter bought by Alex Capranos, lead singer of Franz Ferdinand, to toast his first record deal. Says Neil, it was Alex's bike that started us off thinking an exhibition like this might be really good. Glasgow has always had such a love affair with record shops, similar in a way to its love of cinemas, and we wanted to capture that through a variety of different displays. Visitors can try their hand at crate digging and browse an interactive record rack containing around 100 LP and 12-inch sleeves, or try to find all 130 Glasgow record shops, which are dotted around a hand-drawn one-metre square map created by acclaimed local illustrator Adrian McMurchie. Visitors can also watch a series of short interviews with musicians, DJs, record shop owners and employees as they recount their favourite stories of Glasgow's record stores, as well as scan a QR code to access a video listing all of the records, cassettes and CDs presented within the display, including details of the sleeve designers and record labels. Hidden among the records are lesser-known Glasgow music facts, like which band has had the most hits, 
and the identities of the city's oldest record shops. A near six-hour playlist of bands and artists featured throughout the exhibition provides a seminal soundtrack. Said a smiling Neil, we had to have music playing. We were also really pleased to be able to include some images from Harry Papadopoulos, the renowned music press photographer. I hope people will look at this exhibition and see not just a collection of stuff, but also the people and stories behind it all and really understand the sheer volume of creative and musical talent which has originated in the city and surrounding areas. Spinning around, Glasgow's remarkable record shops will be refreshed with new objects and donations annually. It is free to visit during Riverside's opening hours. Report by Anne Fodderingham. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of March 2022, from the news section, Glasgow care staff call on Labour to back campaign for £15 an hour pay by Stuart Patterson. Care staff are urging Labour to back their campaign for a £15 minimum wage. At the Scottish Labour Conference in Glasgow today, carers union reps in the city are calling on the parties to support the drive for a pay rise over and above what the Scottish Government is offering from April. The care workers are to get a pay rise of to £10.50 per hour from the next month. Shona Thompson, GMB Glasgow Health and Social Care Partnership branch convener, said a £15 per hour minimum wage is needed as soon as possible to tackle understaffing and the cost of living crisis. Labour is backing a rise to £12 an hour and then to £15 at a later unspecified date. Ms Thompson said, Our social care members face an understaffing crisis in their services and a cost of living crisis in their personal lives and if politicians want to seriously confront both then the pay must be a priority. The Scottish Government's £10.50 an hour minimum from April the 1st isn't nearly enough to recruit or retain people in the sector and it desperately needs our help as our members tackle soaring inflation and the energy bills. We can't wait for the creation of a national care service to deliver proper value for these key workers. This needs to happen as soon as possible. Pay must be the priority and that's why everyone should back the fight for 15. Scottish Labour leader Anna Sarwar is to unveil a plan to transform social care. It includes free residential care for over 65 to free capacity in the NHS and the pledge to work towards increasing care staff wages to £15 an hour. Sarah will, t- will tell the conference, this will be the single greatest reform of the care service since the introduction of free personal care. But we don't have to wait until 2026. We can take steps right now to set us on track for, our, for all care in Scotland to be free at the point of need. Delivering a health and care system which people can rely on their whole lives. In that article was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of March 2022, from the news section, Portrait of Mae West is stolen from Glasgow's Vocal Grand Central Hotel by Sarah Campbell. A talented artist has been less devastated after her original piece of her work featuring a Hollywood legend was stolen from a city hotel without a trace. The painting of actress Mae West vanished over two weeks ago, according to Daria Zapala, 
40, who's behind the masterpiece. She had learned that the painting had been nicked after a friend was drinking at the Volker Grand Central Hotel at the weekend and discovered it was gone. Now, with no CCTV providing clues as to where it could be, she is desperate to find answers as to what happened to her work. She said, I decided to go to the hotel personally and found that it really was missing. I asked a member of staff if they had any information or if anyone had phoned the police when it happened, but they couldn't tell me anything. The only thing they said was that it had been stolen two weeks ago. I couldn't believe that in that time no one had thought to try and contact me. The Finiston based artist's work was chosen to be displayed at the hotel after she reached the final of a competition back in 2019. She said, The hotel had a big list of famous people who had stayed there over the years, all the way back to the start of the century, and asked entrants to choose one of them to depict in a portrait. I chose to paint Mae West because, after a lot of research, I found that she represented a lot of values that appealed to me. Darius set the work spending hours creating a stunning oil on canvas piece that would do justice to the Hollywood icon that she had come to admire. Her efforts paid off when she was chosen as a finalist and learned that she would have the opportunity to display her painting in one of the hotel's main corridors. She said, At the ceremony, all of the finalists were asked if they would be willing to have their work kept and displayed on the walls. I didn't question it for a second because the hotel is such an important Glasgow landmark and so many people stay there. I felt delighted and honoured that my painting would be on display. Now with the painting gone, her joy has turned to despair as she wonders if she'll ever see the portrait again. She said, I feel like the way I have been treated shows a disregard to everyone who took part in a series competition. I might not be a well-known artist, but I am a working artist and I have been for over two decades. I've worked really hard over the years and to lose an original piece is absolutely devastating. If a bike, phone, laptop or something else of value was stolen, then the first thing you would do is phone the police. This is a unique piece of work with no copies or reproductions, so there's not even a way it could be replaced. I still have no idea if someone stole it because they liked it, or if it was just a silly joke that ended up with it being thrown in the bin somewhere. I would love to be reunited with the painting. I was so proud to have been selected as a finalist, and I put so much work into it. I'm so upset and disappointed with the whole situation. A spokesperson for Volko Grand Central Hotel said, Unfortunately, it is true that one of our beloved paintings was stolen a few weeks ago. We are extremely disappointed that someone would do such a thing, as the wall has become a much-loved feature for our guests and visitors, as well as our team. The artist whose picture was taken contacted the hotel on Tuesday, and we have reached out to her today to discuss further. I suppose I would urge anyone that may be aware of where the picture is to either return it immediately or contact the police. The Volker Grand Central Hotel has said that they do not accept any responsibility or liability for the loss of the artwork as per the Grand Central Portraits Competition's terms and conditions. The Glasgow Times understands that they have been offered Daria a phone call to discuss the matter further and have said that, should she wish to raise a police incident herself, she would have their full support. Mae West was an American actress, playwright, screenwriter and singer whose glamorous career spanned decades. Known for her liberal attitude and signature husky singing voice, the Brooklyn-born performer starred in a number of films like I'm No Angel and She Done Him Wrong before her death in 1980, aged 87.
and that article was by Sarah Campbell. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 4th of March 2022, from the news section, Teen Hit by Car Next to Carluke High School near Glasgow, by Esther Tarnay. A teen boy has been hit by a car in front of a high school in a town near Glasgow. Police were called to Carluke around 5.20pm on Tuesday, March the 1st, after reports that a 13-year-old boy was knocked down by a car. The incident happened next to Carluke High School. The team was taken to Wishaw General Hospital and has since been discharged. Police Scotland have confirmed that the driver has come forward and inquiries are ongoing. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, Around 5.20pm on Tuesday, 1st of March, police received a report of a road crash involving a collision between a 13-year-old boy and a car in the car park of a leisure centre in Carnwath Road, Carluke. The boy was taken to Wishaw General Hospital as a precaution and has since been discharged. The driver came forward and the incident, which happened at 3.35pm that afternoon. Inquiries are continuing. And that was a report by Esther Tarnay. This article is from The National, date 4th March 2022, from the Culture section. Don't you forget about me. Home of Beatles pays homage to Scottish music by Lorraine Wilson. There was a point in the 1980s when Scotland stomped its Doc Martens all over the charts. With a whiff of hits in the air, record companies dispatched their talent scouts north of the border to snap up the next slice of Caledonian cool. It worked. With too many to list here, bands who were all Scottish or had a largely Scottish contingent featured in record collections across the globe. Simple Minds, Deacon Blue, Ultravox, Eurythmics, Wet Wet Wet, Hue and Cry. Altered Images, Lloyd Cole and Commotions, The Associates, Aztec Camera, Danny Wilson, Delamitri. Texas, Fairground Attraction, Hipsway, Big Country, The Proclaimers and many others that might not have troubled the top of the pop stage but had a significant impact, Teenage Fan Club, Cocteau Twins, and we're not even into the 1990s yet. Outside of that, Scotland has pioneers, from skiffle pioneer Lonnie Donegan to dance music superstar Calvin Harris to We Could Be Here All Day. We have always celebrated our musical mastery, most recently in 2018 at the National Museum of Scotland in Rip It Up, the story of Scottish pop. But now our significant contribution, which must have more hits per head of population than many other countries, is being lauded in a city that can legitimately claim to be a global centre of pop music. Opening today at the British Music Experience in Liverpool is Don't You Forget About Me, an exhibition celebrating all things Scott, pop and rock, which runs until the end of September. It's co-curated by the team at BME and Ronnie Gurr, who is invited by Kevin McManus, head of UNESCO City of Music and Culture, Liverpool, to bring his knowledge and experience. 
a journalist, press officer, A&R man, publisher and music business insider, Gurr is uniquely placed to open up his contacts book and ask Scotland's best-known musicians if the exhibition can raid wardrobes and memorabilia boxes. Gurr says the exhibition is on a smaller scale than Rip It Up, but the distance has allowed time to reflect and make some changes. One of those is the name, with Gurr believing that Don't You Forget About Me is a more positive take than Rip It Up was. The exhibits range from iconic wardrobe items from everyone, from Bay City roller Eric Faulkner to Biffy Clyro's Simon Neal, to instruments from Jack Bruce, Stuart Adamson and more, to recordings, posters, flyers and some more unusual but no less iconic items such as Claire Grogan's shooting script for Gregory's Girl. Gurr says, I've built up good relationships with so many people over the years that it was relatively easy to call and ask. For example, I read an interview with Midge where he said he still had the Vienna raincoat in the attic somewhere. I could just call him up and the loan agreement happened in a few weeks. We also have the Stratocaster he played at Live Aid and the Ivor Novello Award he won for Do They Know It's Christmas. The biggest insurance cost has come with the, the bespoke leather suit made for Charlene Spiteri's turn as Elvis in the video for Inner Smile, designed for her by Tom Ford. One of Gurr's favourite items is one that was something of a dilemma over whether it should be included. Astronaut Laurel Clark was a huge Runrig fan after hearing the band's music while she was stationed at Holy Loch. Laurel was part of the crew of the Columbia Space Shuttle, which, as we know, exploded in 2003, Gurr says. She had taken a CD of Runrig's The Stamping Ground into space with her, and it was recovered among the 50,000 pieces of debris. Her family presented it to the band. Of course, there was a moral dilemma about whether it should be shown, but her family were happy with it being on display. It really is a truly unique piece of not only Scottish music history, but history itself. Apart from the exhibition, organisers are putting together a programme of events, Q&As and screenings during the six months of its run. This year, the annual Runrig Fan Gathering will be held at the BME in August. The importance of music and what it means to us can never be underestimated and these items are our new cultural treasures. They evoke memories and signify the key role that music has played in putting Scotland on the global stage. Gurr has seen that with his own eyes. When we were doing Rip It Up, I saw women who have handled clothing by historic figures like Mary Queen of Scots and Queen Victoria. They said they were more excited to be dealing with mid-year's raincoat. Don't You Forget About Me opens at the British Music Experience in Liverpool's Cunarg building and runs until September 25th. Entry is included in the price of admission. All tickets are purchased are valid for 12 months. www.britishmusicexperience.com That article was by Lorraine Wilson. This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 4th March 2022. 
from the opinion section. It's not cancel culture, it's only consequence culture. By Adam Miller. Google a comedian and add cancel culture to your search. There's a good chance you'll find an interview where they're asked about that subject. X on Ricky Gervais's advice, reconnecting with nature during lockdown and the perils of cancel culture, that sort of thing. In recent weeks, you could read Jack D hits out at comedy cancel culture. Jimmy Carr slams cancel culture and Bill Maher slams cancel culture. Every day brings a new middle-aged white comic slamming or hitting out. But what is cancel culture? Ask certain people. They'll tell you it means you can't bloody say anything nowadays. In reality, it means blokes who've been making the same jokes about minorities for decades are now getting pulled up for it. A lot of people seem to be confusing shiny new controversy cancel culture with a more traditional phenomenon known as the consequences of my actions. Yes, language is evolving. It always has been. There were words you could get away with in 1960 that were considered beyond the pale in 1969. If you saw a list of those words now, I'm pretty sure you'd agree it's a good thing we don't say them anymore. What passed without comment in 2002 might not fly in 2022. That's not young people being more censorious than previous generations. It's progress. It's people learning, growing and taking necessary steps to limit the oppression and prejudice felt by marginalised groups. Speaking on Good Morning Britain in May 2021, actor Seth Rogen said, There are certain jokes that for sure have not aged well, but I think that's the nature of comedy. Jokes are not things that necessarily are built to last. To me, when I see comedians complaining about this kind of thing, I don't understand what they're complaining about. If you've made a joke that's aged terribly, accept it. Saying terrible things is bad. So if you've said something terrible, then it's something you should confront in some way, shape or form. I don't think that's cancel culture. That's you saying something terrible if that's what you've done. A scene from 2005's The 40-Year-Old Virgin in which homosexuality is used as a punchline has aged particularly poorly. But pointing that out doesn't mean you're trying to cancel Rogen. In a May 2019 GQ interview, he said of that scene, It's something people have been like, it's not fun to be in the theatre when people are laughing at that, knowing that they're probably you they're laughing at. And I don't want anyone to have that experience watching our movies. I can't speak for the people who felt targeted by the joke in those cinemas, but I doubt people want Rogan to lose his career over an inappropriate joke from a decade and a half ago. At the same time, it's important that the person who made that joke reckons with the harm it might have caused, demonstrates remorse and shows that they've grown. 
Rogan ticks all those boxes and has shown that you don't have to double down and pretend that you're the oppressed one when someone explains how your joke had a negative impact on them. Rogan currently stars in Disney Plus drama Pam and Tommy, which tells the story of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's stolen sex tape. Episode 5 depicts talk show host Jay Leno making Anderson the butt of the joke. A modern audience understands that the tape is being leaked is a violation and an attack in which Anderson is the victim, and so we find these jokes unpalatable. In 1995, however, the story was merely seen as a salacious and the actress fair game. As is implied in episode 6, when a lawyer repeatedly questions Anderson about her playboy shoots and made clear by the character herself in episode 7, there was a belief that she was a slut who deserved to be shamed rather than the victim of a horrific invasion of privacy. While we're a long way from having resolved all of the issues faced by women in the 90s, and the fact that this show exists despite the real Anderson not having given it her blessing raises more questions about exploitation. It clearly illustrates how attitudes change. Terms like slut-shaming are now firmly established and widely understood, and talk show hosts wouldn't make those jokes in 2022. That's a good thing. Leno himself has acknowledged that digging your heels in and ploughing on with dated material is the wrong approach. In September 2021, he told the People Everyday podcast, Now everybody has a voice. You have to change the material to the times you live in. My attitude is... Look, these are the new rules. You want to adapt. If you don't, fine. Don't get up and tell jokes then. There were new rules 20 years ago and there are new rules in 2022. And there will be new rules to adapt to 20 years from now. That's not censorship or an attack on free speech. It's progress. It's not cancel culture. It's consequence culture. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this one 850-word article about there being too many articles about cancel culture. That article was by Adam Miller. This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 4th March 2022, from the Lifestyle section. Robert Pattinson and the Batman director Matt Reeves discuss Glasgow as Gotham by Esther Tarney. The Batman director said he wishes Glasgow had a bigger role in the film. Last year, parts of the Hollywood blockbuster were filmed in the city's necropolis. In a recent interview with BBC Scotland's The Editor, director Matt Reeves, he said, it was a great stand-in for Gotham. He said, one of the things that was really important, I wanted this to feel like a gothic American city, but one that you'd never been to. And so the way to do that was to choose beautiful Gothic architecture. And so we went to Glasgow and honestly, it was so beautiful. I wish we could have filmed there more. I really think it's a very special Gotham. I mean, what a special place. The director also hinted that production could return. He said, get ready, yes. 
it could very well be that we'll be coming back to your neighbourhood soon. Hollywood star Robert Pattinson, who plays the vigilante in the film, was also impressed by Glasgow, despite not having travelled here to film. He said, it looks great as Gotham. Who would have thought of all cities in the world, Glasgow as Gotham? The final shots of the Glasgow skyline, it's beautiful. Talking about the film, he added, it's not just the criminal element that's afraid of him. The city's inhabitants are afraid of Batman. And so something about it that brought out the sort of Bob Kane, Bill Finger kind of vibe in this kind of eerie vigilante that comes out of the shadows. So the movie is sort of a crime thriller on top of being everything that you would expect a Batman movie to be. The Batman is coming to UK cinemas today. That article was by Esther Tarney. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 7th of March. Citizens Advice launches new campaign as more Scots are worse off. An article written by Esther Tarney, reporter. An analysis detailing the pandemic's effect on Scots' finances was released as a charity announces a new initiative. Citizens Advice Scotland, or CAS, has found that 1.8 million people's finances have been negatively affected by the pandemic. This equates to 41% of the adult population in the country, with 15% saying it's gotten a lot worse. Taking into account Scotland's adult working-age population, this would represent 1.82 million people. With household budgets set to take a battering in the coming months, with rising energy bills and prices in the shops, CAS has launched a new campaign called Debt Happens. The campaign seeks to reassure people that they're not alone in facing debt and encourages them to get advice from across the Citizens Advice Network. CAS Financial Health spokesperson Miles Fitt said the pandemic created a hugely challenging set of financial circumstances for people, with over 1.8 million adults in Scotland seeing their finances get worse since March 2020. Restrictions may be easing, but there'll be no let-up in pressure on household budgets, with energy bills soaring and record inflation colliding with flat and falling incomes. That all adds up to more and more people being at risk of debt. Our message to people with this new campaign is that debt happens and you're not alone. It's nothing to be ashamed of and the important thing to do is to seek advice quickly so that you can get the help and support you need. People can get help in a variety of ways across the Citizens Advice Network, from local Citizens Advice Bureau to our online resources like our public advice site and online money map tool. Some people will benefit from negotiated repayment schemes which brings their monthly payments down, but for many others, getting more money in their pockets in the first place will help. Our advice is free, impartial and confidential, and we'd encourage anyone who would benefit from advice to seek it as soon as possible. Don't let the bills and the stress pile up. We're here to help. An article written by Esther Tarnay. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 7th of March. Hundreds of illegally dumped tyres cleared from Paisley Riverbank thanks to volunteers. An article written by Lauren Brownlee, senior reporter. Hundreds of illegally dumped tyres have been cleared from a riverbank thanks to dedicated volunteers. On Sunday afternoon, the group spent more than four hours moving the tyres away from the white cart water at Harbour Road in Paisley. 
Paul Richardson of Calamity Kayaking regularly spends time cleaning the river and was joined by others who were keen to help get rid of the huge bundle of tyres that had been left by flytippers. He said, The tyres have been there for around eight years. According to the land register, the land belongs to the Crown, so nobody really knows who it is and who's responsible for it. I was happy to go in and volunteer to clean it up and appealed for people to come and join me. Some people were pulling the tyres up the wall. We joined canoes and paddleboards together, stacked the tyres on the canoes and on the paddleboards and ferried them across to a slipway. Renfrewshire Council said that they would pick them up from there. Despite clearing around 250 tyres on Sunday, another few days of volunteering will be needed in order for the mess to be completely clear. Paul said, There's a multitude of tyres that have grown in between the nettles over the years. It's a lot worse than it looks. It's a humongous task and we're putting a shout-out for anyone that can help to get in contact with me to arrange another outing. People learned to canoe, we cleaned up the environment, we met new people and we had a great day. A big thanks to everyone who came along. Paul, who is a kayak instructor, was joined by Patrick Harvey, Scottish Greens co-leader and MSP for Glasgow, in December last year when cleaning the river in Crookston. The Paisley man has collected more than 600 bags of plastic bottles. He previously told the Glasgow Times the most unusual thing he has ever come across was a human finger. An article written by Lauren Brownlee. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 7th of March. Killers of Margaret Fleming ordered to pay back nearly £30,000 in benefits. An article written by Stacey Mullen and Sarah Ward. The killers of vulnerable teenager Margaret Fleming were ordered to pay back nearly £30,000 in benefits they fraudulently claimed in her name. Margaret Fleming, 19, was last seen alive in December 1999 and was murdered sometime between then and January 2000. She was living in a squalid bungalow with Edward Kearney, now 80, and Avril Jones, now 61, who were supposed to be caring for her, but she was tortured and neglected. The couple, who lived in Inverkip, continued to claim Ms Fleming's benefits until she was reported missing in 2016. Mr Kearney was convicted of murder and attempting to defeat the ends of justice in 2019 at the High Court in Glasgow, while Ms Jones was convicted of the same charges as well as fraud. At the High Court in Edinburgh, confiscation orders were granted against both Mr Kearney and Ms Jones, totalling pence. For Miss Jones, the order stated she'd benefited by £182,000 and the confiscation order had been made for £3,473.20. The Crown has the power to extend the order against Miss Jones to seize money and assets she acquires in the future to pay back the full amount she's made. The order against Mr Kearney shows he benefited by £24,347.98 and he will have to pay back the full amount. Laura Buchan, Procurator Fiscal for Specialist Casework, said Edward Kearney and Avril Jones were entrusted with the care of Margaret Fleming, a vulnerable young woman. Instead, they murdered her, covered up their crime and continued to claim her state benefits. They were convicted and sentenced for their despicable crimes, but the Crown Office and Procurator Fiscal Service will not stop at prosecution and will use every tool available to ensure criminals pay for their actions. These confiscation orders mark the end of a long and complex investigation that involves painstaking work by police, prosecutors and forensic accountants to ensure all the criminal benefit held by Mr Kearney and Ms Jones was recovered. An article written by Stacey Mullen and Sarah Ward.
Glasgow Times News, on Monday the 7th of March. The Queen to leave Buckingham Palace and live in Windsor permanently. An article written by Martha Wilson, SEO journalist. The Queen will move to Windsor Castle permanently and never live in London again, according to reports. According to the Sunday Times, the Queen has not spent a night at Buckingham Palace since March of 2020. She's lived in London throughout her 70-year reign, but spent most of lockdown and the pandemic in her Berkshire home with Prince Philip. There are also renovations going on at the palace which are expected to last until 2027, and this is reported to have influenced the decision. Windsor is the place she loves. She has her memories with Prince Philip there, she has her ponies there, and family nearby. It makes sense, royal author Hugo Vickers said. The next monarch to live at Buckingham Palace will be Prince Charles, after he becomes king. Windsor is also close to Bagshot Park, where Prince Edward resides, and the Royal Lodge, where Prince Andrew lives. Prince Philip is also buried at Windsor Castle, and the Queen will be buried alongside him in King George VI Memorial Chapel when she dies. An article written by Martha Wilson. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 7th of March. Seven Glasgow landlords struck off after welfare issues. An article written by Drew Sandilands. A Glasgow landlord who rented a flat with a potentially dangerous boiler is one of seven to be struck off the register. Another owner was dropped from the private landlord register after owing a factor more than £60,000 and racking up a council tax debt of almost £28,500. And one landlord failed to help a tenant who had no heating or hot water. Ejaz Ali has been struck off after a raft of concerns over his ownership of two properties at 270 Paisley Road West were raised with the council. The health and safety executive found a gas boiler in one of the flats was poorly installed and maintained, and potentially dangerous. Tenants in one of the homes were so concerned about its condition they presented to the council's homeless casework team, while council staff struggled to get information from Mr Ali. On one occasion his son claimed the flats were empty. The tenants in another of the flats were informed by the council in August last year that a rent penalty notice had been issued and that they weren't obliged to pay the landlord. However, later that month the landlord told the tenants that the issue was sorted and that payment should resume. A council officer said, No such conversation ever took place between my service and the landlord. Cheryl Campbell owes Factor Spears Gumley more than £60,000 for common repairs, which have had to be covered by other tenants. This is having a significant negative impact on the factor's ability to manage the building, the council officer said. The landlord, who owns four properties in Mercatgate Court, on High Street and on Wall Street, also has an outstanding council tax bill of almost £28,500. She didn't provide the required information, including on fire safety, building insurance and Legionella risk. More than £10,000 in council tax is owed at her registered home address. However, council officers understand this is also rented out and should have formed part of the application. Licensing Committee Chair Alex Wilson said the situation was deeply worrying. The fact that they've also run up these debts and the other properties are having to share the burden, it shows a lack of ownership. Bailey Norman MacLeod said, While we've got no direct evidence that this landlord actually collects rent, if they do then that would appear to be the only aspect of being a landlord with which we have any form of reassurance. A tenant of John Milton, who lets six properties in Glasgow, told the council that there was no heating and no hot water in their home. The council officer reported the landlord had failed to address a request to fix the issue. 
This initiated further investigation and checks were made via the Energy Performance Register and it was found four of the six properties did not have Energy Performance Certificates. The landlord was also asked for other information, including on fire and gas safety and carbon monoxide detectors, but the officer told councillors that this had not been provided. Clarkson Developments Limited owns 12 properties in Glasgow and had also been asked to provide information on a range of issues, including fire safety, carbon monoxide detectors and Legionella risk assessment. They'd been given time after the last committee meeting to come back with answers, but didn't provide all of the documentation. The council received two gas safety certificates that had not been signed by an engineer. Those couldn't be checked with the engineer as the company was struck off last month, the council officer said. A representative for Clarkson Developments accepted that there are serious question marks, but claimed the firm takes its responsibility seriously and was working on getting all the documents. Mr Wilson said, This isn't acceptable when we're dealing with people's lives here. We've got certification that isn't up to date. You've had more than ample time to get this. James Duffy, who owns 29 properties across the city, was asked to provide certificates for 12 flats in Ibrox and Cessnock, but failed to do so. These included gas, electrical and fire safety paperwork, portable appliance testing, energy performance documents, Legionella risk assessments and building insurance. The council officer said Mr Duffy claimed the properties had either been sold or were being repossessed, but council tax checked found eight of the twelve were owned by the landlord and let to tenants. Rasham Singh, who owns a flat on Harley Street, was struck off after also failing to provide a number of certificates, while another landlord was found to have previously been blocked from joining the register. An article written by Drew Sandilands. Glasgow Times News, on Monday the 7th of March. Spring booster jabs to be offered to over 75s and the most vulnerable from today. An article written by Lauren Brownlee, senior reporter. Booster jabs for the coronavirus vaccine will be offered to the over-75s and those most at risk from the virus from today. The Scottish Government says a spring booster dose will be offered to those who received their last jab at least 24 weeks ago. It follows a decision by the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, or JCVI, on February 21st. As well as the over-75s, those being offered boosters will include care home residents and people who are immunocompromised. Immunity derived from the vaccine declines over time and many in this category received their last dose in September or October 2021. Letters are also being sent to parents of children aged between 5 and 11, inviting them to their first vaccination appointment. Children with certain medical conditions in this age group have already been invited. Health Secretary Hamza Youssef said, We know that those in high-priority groups are at higher risk of serious illness from COVID-19 and I therefore welcome the start of the rollout which will offer a further dose to these people. Vaccination has been our most effective tool against coronavirus. However, the degree of protection offers wanes over time, which is why booster vaccination is needed to maintain the best protection against COVID-19 for those at highest risk of severe effects of the virus. The additional booster dose will improve your level of protection significantly, and this is the best way to protect your health and those around you. I continue to encourage everyone to receive the doses that they're eligible for as and when they become available. An article written by Lauren Brownlee. Evening Times, March 7. Opinion. Mike Daly says, 
Help is available for those struggling with energy bills. From April 1, the energy price cap will rise by 54% for 22 million households on default or standard variable tariff across the UK. That is an average annual increase of £700, meaning most people will be paying around £166 each month on their gas and electricity, or much more depending on their circumstances. If you are coming off a fixed rate deal, as many millions of us are, be prepared for a bigger shock. Last week, I received an email from my supplier, Eon, offering me a new energy deal. Or if I did nothing, I go on to their default or standard variable rate. Unsurprisingly, both deals were exactly the same. The Eon energy plan deal will see my gas costs rise by 121% from April with electricity prices rising by 100%. I suppose I had it relatively good for a year. There is nothing anyone can do. There are no better deals to switch to on the market. All energy companies are hiking up their prices after the cost of energy spiked during the pandemic. People are now like fish in a barrel and are being reeled in by massive fuel price hikes. The worry is there is likely to be another energy price cap rise in October this year. It's going to be a long, cold and bitter winter for a massive number of people. We often hear how Scotland is generating more renewable energy. And yes, that is excellent. Of course, we don't own those companies or the power generated. What financial benefit do ordinary Scots get from renewables? In 2017, the Scottish Government promised to set up a publicly owned not-for-profit company to sell gas and electricity to customers at low prices by 2021. That would have been a very good thing but this pledge was last seen drifting somewhere on the wind. The trade body Energy UK projects the possibility of average gas and electricity bills reaching £3,000 per annum later this year if wholesale gas prices continue to spike. That would be an unprecedented hike of 131% from last year. The charity National Energy Action believes the number of UK households in fuel poverty will go up from 4 million in October 2021 to 6.5 million after April's price rise. If average costs increase to £3,000 from October this year, National Energy Action predict 8.5 million households in fuel poverty. The definition of fuel poverty is spending more than 10% of your net income on energy bills after housing costs have been deducted. Extreme fuel poverty is where you have to spend more than 20% for your reasonable fuel needs. 
Add to these problems the rising costs of rent in the private rental sector. This is where many people are at the sharp end with little or no protection against the vagaries of the free market. The private tenant referencing agency Home Let found average UK rents rose to £1,069 a month in February. That's an 8.6% increase from the year before. From October, HM Treasury is applying an upfront payment of £200 for 28 million households to be paid to energy suppliers and then repaid by you in five £40 annual instalments from 2023 to 2027. All Scottish households in bands A to D will receive a £150 discount from their council tax bill from the Scottish Government, as will those in other bands who qualify for reduced rates. This will apply to 73% of households across Scotland and will help defray the cost of council tax increases in 2022-23. If you are struggling with energy bills just now, there are three weeks left to apply to the Scottish Government's Home Heating Support Fund for financial assistance. This fund is aimed at those suffering financial hardship and is designed to alleviate the situation of households who may be rationing their usage due to cost. The fund is open to applicants regardless of their payment method or what fuel they use to heat their home. The closing date for applications is 31 March 2022. In order to be eligible for funding, you have to show that you've received energy or debt advice from an approved free advisor. Applications have to be submitted by trusted referral partners on behalf of a household. You can get free assistance to do this in Glasgow from online money advisors at debtnavigator.scot. Full details of the fund is available at homeheatingadvice.scot. The fund adopts the Scottish Government's definition of fuel poverty. As long as other eligibility criteria are met, people who are in Scotland on visas with no recourse to public funds can also apply to the fund. If energy prices continue to rise as expected, there will be an urgent need for a new home heating support fund this winter says Mike Daly. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 8th of March 2022, from the news section. Glasgow SNP MSP James Dornan to take time off after hospital stay, by Tom Eden, PA Scotland. SNP MSP James Dornan has announced he will be taking time off following a four-night stay in hospital. The Glasgow Cathcart MSP said he will be stepping back from politics for an unspecified period to recuperate his mental and physical health in the wake of his health scare. In a statement released on Tuesday morning, the 68-year-old said, 
Just recently, I spent four nights in hospital, and it gave me the opportunity to reflect on my health in a way I've not felt the need to for a long time. Having spoken with others, I have decided to abide by the advice I've been given and take some time off work. During this period, I will recuperate and try to get my health, both physical and mental, back to a place where I can best serve my constituents once more. My office will, of course, still be working on casework, and anyone who requires assistance should contact me in the usual manner. Thank you for your forbearance. This article was by Tom Eason, from the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 8th of March 2022, from the news section. Historic Glasgow Railworks Could Become Listed Building, by Anne Fotheringham. It was once at the heart of the world's locomotive construction, and it is one of the few remaining works of its kind in Scotland. Now, St Rollock's Locomotive Works in Springburn could be recognised with listed status, as Historic Environment Scotland, HES, announced it is seeking views from the public. Proposals to list the former railway works site at Category B, due to its special historical and architectural interest, recognises its significance as an important part of Scotland's industrial heritage. St Rollocks, known affectionately as the Cali, from the days of the Caledonian Railway Works, which built locomotives for use all around the world, is a rare surviving example of a later 19th century locomotives work in Scotland, and the only surviving example in Springburn, which was once a global centre of locomotive construction. Built in 1854 to 1856, and enlarged in 1884 to 1886, St Rollock's Works was the largest and longest operational locomotive manufacture and repair works in the country. It played a significant role in the expansion of the railway and at its height employed thousands of people in Glasgow. The works closed in 2019, despite vigorous campaigning to save it and a community was left in shock. The plant was established by the Caledonian Railway, which built many of Scotland's rail networks from Glasgow to Edinburgh and Aberdeen after relocating from Greenock. Located close to the Garnkirk and Glasgow Railway, the first railway to come into the city and one of the first in Scotland, the St Rollocks Works quickly grew to become the main train construction yard in Scotland. Over the years, hundreds of trains were built at the Springburn Yard, including SAR, which returned from service with the South African Railways Company running the Johannesburg to Cape Town line to take up pride of place in Glasgow's Riverside Museum in 2007. Today, the building retains many features which demonstrate its previous function, including its interconnected workshop design of high-quality ironwork and an intact overhead travelling train system. Dara Parsons, head of designations at HES, said, The former St Rollock's work is a significant piece of Scotland's industrial and transport heritage, contributing to our understanding of Scotland's railway history, and in particular, Springburn's role as a major centre for rail manufacture and repair in the 19th and 20th centuries. After assessing the site for listing, we are proposing to add it to Scotland's list of buildings of special architectural and historical interest. 
Listing is a way of recognising and celebrating what makes our built heritage special and ensuring this is taken into account in future decisions. We're keen that people have an opportunity to have their say as part of this process, so we encourage anyone with an interest in the building to take part in our consultation. The consultation will run until Monday, March the 28th. To find out more and to take part, visit the HES website. HES lists buildings of special architectural or historical interest that help to create Scotland's distinctive character. Did you work at St Rollocks? Send times past your stories. We would love to hear them. That article was by Anne Fotheringham. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 8th of March 2022, from the news section. Man due in court in connection with Kilmarnock Road bank robbery by Sarah Campbell. A man is due to appear in court today in connection with the Southside bank robbery. The man was said to have threatened staff and demanded money at the Royal Bank of Scotland on Kilmarnock Road before fleeing the scene on Monday, February the 28th. It has previously been reported that he made off with a three-figure sum. Police described the incident as a very frightening experience for the staff in the bank before launching an appeal to identify the thief. It has now been confirmed that a 56-year-old man has been arrested and charged in connection with the robbery. He is expected to appear at Glasgow Sheriff Court and a report will be submitted to the Procurator Fiscal. This article was by Sarah Campbell from the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 8th of March 2022, from the news section. Millions of pounds in gift cards to be given out in Glasgow to boost shops by Stuart Patterson. Millions of pounds worth of gift cards to be spent with Glasgow shops and businesses are to be given out to residents to help with Covid economic recovery. Glasgow City Council is planning to spend more than £9 million it received from the Scottish Government on giving out more than 80,000 cards worth £110 each. It is intended the gift cards through the Scotland Loves Local campaign, will give a multi-million pound cash injection into the economy to boost city high streets and independent businesses. The cards can only be used in Scotland Loves Local businesses within the Glasgow boundary, and almost 200 in the city are registered with the scheme. The council said it wanted to use the cash it has been given to help low-income families and businesses that have been hit by the lockdowns and pandemic restrictions. Susan Aitken, leader of the council, said in a report to councillors, by using the Scotland Loves Local gift card scheme, it will provide cash to individuals from low-income households by way of a gift card that can only be redeemed within the city boundary providing the local business community with a much-needed cash injection over the next year. The cards will be given out to low-income households who receive a council tax reduction benefit. Councillor Aitken added, The Scotland Loves Local campaign is a national initiative designed to encourage those who live in Scotland to think local first and support their local high streets. The outbreak of coronavirus has caused significant challenges for towns and city centres, high streets and local businesses who have lost out on vital trade. The Scotland Loves Local gift card is an innovative way of keeping spend local for longer in every community and region across Scotland.
The program is designed so that these cards cannot be used out with the city boundary, ensuring the spend remains within Glasgow, benefiting local businesses. There are 84,566 households in the city in bands A to G who get council tax reduction. It will cost up to £9,302,260 to give them all a £110 gift card, with the rest being spent on admin costs and postage. That article was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 8th of March 2022, from the news section. More clarity needed on drug and alcohol funding, says Audit Scotland report, by Stuart Patterson. It's not clear where funding for drug services is going or if it is having an impact, a new report has stated. Audit Scotland has looked into funding for alcohol and drug partnerships and said while there has been an increase, says a clear plan of action is needed. The latest annual figures showed 1,339 people died in a drug-related death in 2020, another record year for the seventh year in a row. Audit Scotland said data around drugs and alcohol is not good enough and how money is spent is not transparent. In the report it says spending remains difficult to track, including how money is distributed and what it is achieving. The report states, for example, in September 2021 the Scottish Government committed to invest £250 million to reduce drug deaths, £50 million for the next five years. But details of how much of the £50 million will be spent on each local area or how the funding will be distributed have not been published. More widely, data gaps around drug and alcohol referrals, waiting times and outcomes persist. Stephen Boyle, Auditor General for Scotland, said, We've recently seen more drive and leadership around drug and alcohol misuse from the Scottish Government but it's still hard to see what impact policy is having on people living in the most deprived areas where long-standing inequalities remain. Drug and alcohol data is not good enough and there is a lack of transparency about how money is being spent and allocated. The Scottish Government needs to set out an integrated plan with clear measures showing how extra spending is being used to reduce the tragic loss of life we've seen over the last decade. Claire Baker, Scottish Labour's spokesperson on drug policy, said The SNP have had 15 years to address the issues raised in this report and deliver the accountability, transparency and data that we need, but they have failed. This article was by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of March 2022, from the news section, Benefits still leave families far short of what they need to raise a child? By Stuart Patterson. Families who are out of work and still around one third short of what is needed to pay the cost of raising a child, according to a new report. It has led to calls for more action from the UK and Scottish governments and to act with greater urgency to get help to those who need it most. Among the actions called for are the UK government to increase universal credit and family benefits by at least 7% to match inflation which is rising to the highest level in decades. Even with policies yet to be fully introduced, like free school meals for all primary pupils and the doubling of the child payment, 
there will still be a 30% gap from what is needed. The gap is wider in the rest of the UK, which leads to the researchers concluding policies in Scotland are making a difference, but that more is needed. The report for Child Poverty Action Group, Child, builds on calculations which find that the minimum cost of bringing up a child in the UK, excluding childcare costs, is around £76,000 in a couple family and £103,000 in a lone parent family. The new Scottish analysis includes the impact of Scottish policies such as the Scottish Child Payment, Minimum School Clothing Grants, Best Start Payments and Free Bus Travel. John Dickey, director of the Child Poverty Alliance Group in Scotland, said This shows just how big a difference long campaign for policies like the doubling of the Scottish Child Payment and rollout of universal free school meals will make. But it's vital Holyrood ministers press ahead to ensure they're all delivered this year and that all families are able to take up the extra support they're eligible for. And that was an article by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of March 2022, from the news section, Boss was sacked for raising concerns about asbestos in Glasgow homeless hotels by Victoria Weldon. A maintenance manager who was sacked for raising concerns about asbestos at homeless hotels in Glasgow has been awarded more than £23,000 by a tribunal, but will not receive a penny of his compensation. William Stafford worked with Hill Glasgow Limited, a hotel firm providing homeless accommodation at properties across the city. He raised concerns about the presence of asbestos at the St Enoch Hotel on Howard Street and was eventually dismissed with bosses giving no reason for the decision. An employment tribunal found he was sacked for raising health and safety concerns, but the firm entered administration just days after he was awarded a total of £23,331.57. The company is now dissolved, meaning Mr Stafford is unlikely to see any of his award. However, he believes that the owners of the business, Michael Beeswas and Adam Hussein, and their family members continue to operate the hotels under different companies. Speaking to the Herald, Mr Stafford said, I was dismissed right at the start of the Covid pandemic. I had no work for a year, no income. It caused me a lot of stress and anxiety. I was thrown into financial turmoil. I fell behind with my rent, credit cards, car insurance, etc. Added to this, I had no sight of finding work during the pandemic. When I won my award it was a huge relief, only for it to be shattered by the non-payment. I am still trying to recover financially from from this. Mr Stafford is now considering suing the tribunal service due to a delay in issuing him with a court document which would have allowed him to pursue the money using sheriff officers. The extract decree was issued late, just days before Hill Glasgow Limited was dissolved, leaving Mr Stafford unable to pursue his claim against the firm. The tribunal service has apologised for the delay and said it was due to work pressures, reorganisation and the impact of the pandemic. Mr Stafford has been offered £250 as compensation but he is now seeking civil legal aid to pursue a larger settlement. He said, I take no pleasure in doing this to the tribunal service but I missed out on my chance to try to get my money so I feel I've got nowhere else to go with it. The tribunal heard that Mr Stafford started working with Hill Glasgow Limited 
In August 2019, in January the following year, he was overseeing renovation work at the St Enoch Hotel and became aware that the building did not have an asbestos register. The work to the building was stopped and Mr Stafford notified his boss, who said that a survey would be carried out. He was later told that the firm who conducted the survey were fraudulent and had taken payment but never issued a report. Mr Stafford contacted the company to find out if this was correct and was told that the report had been prepared and expressed concerns about the amount of asbestos in the building. On March 30th, 2020, he again raised concerns with bosses as work was due to start again at the hotel. He was dismissed the following day. Employment Judge Shona McLean said, Given the age of the hotel, the renovations to be undertaken and the concerns that had been expressed by the surveyor, the claimant had reasonable grounds for believing that there were circumstances harmful or potentially harmful to health and safety. The Herald tried to contact the former directors of Hillglass Limited but did not receive a response. HM Courts and Tribunal Service said it could not comment. And that article was an exclusive by Victoria Weldon. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of March 2022, from the news section, Glasgow man and family reach Poland after fleeing besieged Ukrainian city. Article by Sara Pacciaroni, multimedia journalist. A Glasgow man and his family have reached Poland today after fleeing their home in eastern Ukraine. Sean Cusick and his family made it to the western city of Lviv a few days ago after escaping Kharkiv, which had been devastated by Russian bombs. Mr Cusick, his Ukrainian wife Chloe and their two-year-old son Everett had been left stranded in the country due to a lack of money and problems with travel documents. After two attempts to cross the border, they arrived at a Polish refugee camp and are now en route to Krakow to, see to seek specialist medical treatment for Chloe and apply for a family visa to enter the UK. In an update on the Telegram messaging app seen by the Glasgow Times, he wrote, On our way to Krakow. Just hours earlier, the family had written, Arrived at refugee centre, organising transport to Krakow. As the family reached Lviv after spending 15 hours at Carvey's train station, they sought to reassure their loved ones, but also told of their dramatic escape. Mr Cusick had written, Everything is a blur. I wasn't sure what day it was when I woke up. These past 12 days have been the longest I've ever experienced, each day merging together from lack of sleep. Since then, we've been trying to recover, to recover our sleep, nutrition and strength. Although we are in relative safety, every noise and rumble makes me incredibly anxious. It is clear from the sandbags outside the buildings and from the general atmosphere that people here feel that there's only a matter of time for the front to reach here, Lviv. Mr Cusick also described the images of destruction in Kharkiv, Chloe's hometown. He told of how the city had been destroyed completely by daily explosions, with schools, hospitals animal shelters and civilian transport targeted by Russian attacks. The family had to leave everything behind, including Chloe's extended family and two rescue dogs, along with all their belongings. Mr Cusick said he had moved to the Ukraine in October to get married to Chloe after she returned from China, where she had been living for 10 years. He said since they got married in November, they had been trying to leave but his wife doesn't have the documents needed for her passport 
and is now unable to collect them. She was just to pick up her national ID on the day Russia started its invasion of Ukraine. As the conflict exploded, he started a crowdfunding page to fund their escape and play for Chloe's medical bills, which has now reached more than £16,000. You can donate to the Cusick family's fundraiser online. Any surplus funds will be donated to help people in Ukraine. And that was an article by Sarah Pacciaroni. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of March 2022, from the news section, Glasgow's Queen Elizabeth University Hospital walls set to be taken down over fire hazard fears by Caitlin Dewar, multimedia journalist. Health bosses are set to take down walls at a major Scottish hospital over fears they pose a fire hazard. Concerns over fire retardant sheeting on cavity insulation at Glasgow's Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, QEUH, have been raised to NHS bosses by the £850 million building's main contractor. If a fire were to occur, there is fears that it would spread rapidly through the 1,677-bed facility with the potential to cause catastrophic consequences. The hospital opened seven years ago and it is currently unknown why the issue has only now been raised. According to reports by the Scottish Sun, experts are now on site to establish how many walls are affected. It is not the first time that the hospital has faced safety issues since it opened. Since opening in 2015, outbreaks of rare fungal infections and almost untreatable superbugs, some of which were linked to the flagship hospital's water supply, affected dozens of children and caused the deaths of at least two. The Scottish Hospital's inquiries probing health failings at the flagship hospital. Speaking about the fire hazard revelations, Scottish Conservative Shadow Cabinet Secretary for Health Dr Sandish Gilhane said, This is deeply concerning and the latest in the litany of failures at Glasgow's flagship hospital. Serious questions have to be asked as to how such a basic protection could have been missed. Failure in spotting this major fire threat could have put patients and staff at serious risk. SNP ministers have repeatedly insisted QEUH is safe, but this is yet more shocking evidence that flies in the face of those claims. A spokesperson for NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde said, Following contact from the QEUH's main construction partner, Multiplex, NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde has been working with the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service, Scottish Government and Glasgow City Council building standards to re-examine the materials used for the wall linings. This confirmed some of the internal wall panels contain materials that do not meet the latest building regulations. Effective mitigation measures and a comprehensive fire safety strategy have been put in place by NHS GC to ensure the ongoing safety of the hospital. Expert advisors have confirmed they are content with the immediate mitigation measures taken. It has been agreed, however, the most effective long-term solution for the hospital is the replacement of some wall linings and NHS GDC is working with a number of contractors on plans to deliver the project. Scottish Fire and Rescue Services' Sean Stuart Stevens added, We will continue to work with partners and NHS GDC as they review fire safety measures. A Scottish Government spokesperson said, we are aware steps have been taken to replace some internal wall plant panels within the hospital atrium. NHS GDC are working with Multiplex to deliver the project. And that was an article by Caitlin Dewar. From the Glasgow Times, 
Wednesday the 9th of March 2022, from the news section, motorcyclist was found with knuckle duster because police were suspicious of his clothing. Article by Connor Gordon, court reporter. A motorcyclist was found with a knuckle duster after police were suspicious of his clothing. Kieran Hepburn freely admitted to having the weapon in Glasgow City Centre on March the 24th, 2021. The 25-year-old, who was in motorcycle clothing, was earlier stopped by officers as he was not near a bike. Hepburn pleaded guilty yesterday at Glasgow Sheriff Court to having the knuckle duster without reasonable excuse or lawful authority. The court heard police had reason to speak to Hepburn at 12pm on Mitchell Street. Prosecutor Mark Allen said he was told he would be searched and he said he had a knuckle duster on his person. It was recovered from his jacket pocket and he was arrested. Hepburn told officers that he found the weapon at a multi-storey car park nearby. Joe Murphy, defending, told the court that Hepburn was curious when he came across the knuckle duster and foolishly kept it. The lawyer added, he left the car park and he was kitted out in motorcycle stuff and gear but had no motorbike in the vicinity. Officers paid a bit more attention to him and thought he was acting suspiciously, avoiding eye contact. Sentence was deferred until next month, pending background reports by Sheriff Lindsay Wood. He said, I have been doing this job for a while. You picked up this knuckle duster? Hepburn of Dumbarton, West Dumbartonshire, had his bill continued meantime. And that article was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of March 2022, from the news section, New homes ready for tenants to move in at Site Hill, by Stuart Patterson. The first residents have moved into one of the biggest new housing developments in Glasgow. Householders have taken their keys and set foot in the new homes at the Northbridge development at Site Hill in the north of the city. The development replaces the tower box which once dominated the huge site. There will be around a thousand homes in the area which has been completely transformed with new landscaping incorporating the canal and a new school campus and road through the centre of the development. A new footbridge over the M8 connects the area with the north of the city centre. Once complete there will be 826 new homes adding to the 141 that GHE completed and opened. The main part of the site will have 628 homes for sale and 198 for mid-market rent. It is the mid-market rent homes, let and managed by GHA's weekly group partner Luther Homes, that has seen the first tenants move in. Bernadette Hewitt, GHA chair, said, It was great to meet the first group of tenants to move into Luther's mid-market homes in this fantastic new development. The transformation of the community is quite simply incredible, with the new homes, school and bridge breathing new life into the area. These sought-after mid-market homes, on top of the 141 new GHA homes already completed, will help increase the range of housing options available to people not only in Site Hill but right across the city. The private homes, retail units and commercial development is being delivered through a development agreement between Keepmote Homes and Glasgow City Council, part of a £250 million transformational regeneration area. DRA scheme 
the biggest of its type in the UK outside of London. Susan Aitken, leader of Glasgow City Council, said, The first households moving into the new homes at Sight Hill is a symbolic moment in what is a transformational project for Sight Hill and North Glasgow. The people in these homes will enjoy a fast, fantastic location close to the city centre and living in an area that has been vastly improved with so many features on their doorstep. The continued delivery of Sight Hill is a foretaste of what will be coming to neighbouring communities in this part of Glasgow over the next decade. The scheme has provided employment and training opportunities in the construction sector over a number of years. Derek Wilson, Regional Managing Director at Keepmote Homes, said, We are always committed to bringing new employment opportunities to the area and the hiring of new apprentices has been instrumental in the building of these homes. We'd like to thank all our apprentices, both new and existing, for their dedication and continued efforts on site and in the classroom. It's been fantastic to work with local schools and colleges to show young people what a career in the construction industry can look like. And that article was by Stuart Patterson. Today, Tuesday the 8th of March 2022, sunrise shall be at 6.53am and sunset will be at 6.05pm. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.